It's the failures that make us stronger. My name is Merrill Dubrow, CEO of Mark Research. I'm a 35-year veteran of the research and insights community and the host of our podcast, On The Mark. On The Mark is focusing on executives and thought leaders in the world, sharing their insights, strategy, and personal experiences. I promise this podcast will be filled with tough, pointed questions with real, insightful, and emotional answers. Today's guest is Lenny Murphy, Green Book thought leader, partner in G2, advisors, director at Veriglyph, advisory board member, investor, and change agent. Lenny, welcome to the On The Mark podcast. Thank you, Merrill. It's an honor to be here. You know, I'll tell you what, I needed to pause like nine times with your intro. There's like, you have so much, you have so many titles here, Lenny, right? It's unbelievable. Hey, let's start with a fun question. We've known each other a long time. I I would argue that if we were on Family Feud and the question from Steve Harvey was, name the most, name the top seven most well-known people in the Insight research industry, I have a feeling that you might, you not only make the list, Lenny, you might be number one or two, right? <laughs> well, it's just because I spam everybody. So, well, I uh, don't know about that, but, but talk to me a little bit about that, right? Talk to me a little bit about how did that happen? Was that a mission? Because seriously, a day doesn't go by where I don't see you posting something where your name isn't out there, whether it's connected to the grit report, one of these advisory board positions that you have, was that a mission that you had? Cause you are really well known. You know that, right? Yeah, no, it was not. Um, it was not a mission, and, and you know, because we have known each each other a long time. You may remember when uh, uh, when Rock Hopper, uh, Rock Hopper Research, my uh, full service agency, when we took it on the chin uh, during the uh, 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 during the, the downturn. Um, you know, I was left kind of scratching my head and going, "Well, what the hell do I do now?" Right? I my, my company had failed. It quite simply. Um, and remember, I was actually going to come in an interview with you. Um, yep. So we, we had plans a long time ago. Uh, yep. So I, I was just just trying to figure out, well, what is the next step um, in a very pragmatic way? And uh, I had known the folks at Green Book for, for a long time and uh, was chatting with the, uh, the managing director, Lukash, and he said, you know, why don't you just do some consulting for us for a little bit to figure out what you're going to do? Um, uh, it was a lifeline quite simply, right? It was a, a way to feed my family when I figured out what was happening. Um, and, you know, that was the beginning of, of the social media era, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, here I was in a unique position to uh, be looking at what went wrong in the business model of running a traditional full-service research agency and looking at everything going on around us, the advent of social media, the advent of, uh, of mobile, um, emerging technologies. And, you know, the, the consulting strategy I came up with for Green Book was content, was based on producing content. Um, and I was the one who had to produce the content, right? And all I could do is write about what I knew about, um, which was uh, kind of reverse engineering the, the failure of my company, quite simply. Um, and thinking now, what does the future look like for the for the industry as a whole? Um, and I guess it just hit a nerve. So, um, and I was just just 
the right person at the right time to be able to to tackle that uh, that I think a lot of folks were were trying to get a handle on as well. And through that, it just grew and grew. Uh, out of that, we we decided that there were opportunities to create more content channels and events and, you know, the GRIT report. And, uh, and then people started asking me to consult and they started asking me to advise. And uh, so I, I just found myself without a plan becoming a nexus, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, of lots of information flowing in um, and working with an organization that was based on taking that information and putting it back out um, to try and benefit the industry as a whole. And lucky enough that people found my prattling interesting, I guess. Um, so 10 years later, and it has been 10 years, the uh, we've just built on that and have found just a really interesting niche of, uh, of having this point of view on what the future of the industry looks like and constantly reinforcing that and sending it out. And, you know, it was not the intention to build a brand around me specifically, and I'm actually still pretty uncomfortable with it, but it just worked out that way. Yeah. Interesting. There are so many um, takeaways and there's so many questions that I could ask after what you just said. Um, but I'm going to go in a little bit different direction because one of the skills that I think is so important to be successful in today's business environment is self-awareness. And for you to say that openly to thousands of people who are going to listen to this podcast, um, some who know you and some don't, openly talk about, hey, look, I took it on the chin at Rock Hopper, your words, um, that was a failure. To openly talk about that, have you always been like that or and really had amazing self-awareness or did that kind of um, – did you get that over time as you got more and more mature? By inclination, I'm, uh, I'm fairly introspective. Um, now, whether I have clarity on myself or not, that's a whole other question. <laughs> but, uh, but, but certainly over time, I, I think I've gotten better at – uh, taking an honest appraisal of who I am and and what I do, and uh, that's a bit of a defining principle in my life to try not to bullshit myself. Now I may bullshit other people, right, Meryl? You and I are kind of birds of a feather, I think, in that respect, but the uh, <laughs> but in a bad way, yeah. right? So, uh, and uh, you know, I think if my if, when we go through difficult experiences, um, you know, certainly some are more challenging to talk about publicly than others, but. You know, this is one that I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, experience, right? We all fail at some point. It's the failures that make us stronger. So if I can talk about that and help some other folks that uh, to realize that, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's a learned experience, and, you know, neat things can happen as a result of that. Uh, I'm not uncomfortable sharing that at That's all. That's great. No, I, I really appreciate that. All right, I'm going to ask you a question, but it's going to have a caveat because I know that you advise so many companies. I know that you're on so many boards. But what I'd love to know is what technology company that you don't advise, that you're not connected to, impresses you the most today in the insights world? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I certainly kick myself that I, I uh, didn't uh, get hooked up to Qualtrics early okay. on. Um, but that's probably greed as much as anything else. But <laughs> again, hey, by the way, Lenny, again, self-awareness, right? <laughs> right, right. That's great. I, mean, I do think if you look at, you know, so we'll talk about that as an example, that, you know, that, that's a company that was very ambitious uh, in thinking about uh, how technology could 
become a center point within an organization to become the hub of data to drive greater value for their customers um, and for you know, their customers to drive greater value for their customers. And everything they've done has been kind of aligned to that idea of expanding the, the hub, if you will, uh, of data and centralizing that. And that was the core of the SAP deal, right? The, there was the connection between the business intelligence data and SAP and the, the CX data and Qualtrics. Um, so I think that what they've done is is really interesting and kind of spot on. Um, you know, they've bitten off an awful lot, and we'll, we'll see how all that goes. Um, but they were smart folks uh, all the way down the, the road, right? They made some incredibly smart decisions. And uh, and have profound respect for them. But at the same time, Survey Monkey's going down a similar path. I mean, those, maybe a better way to say it, uh, Merrill, is the, I continually be impressed by companies with founders who came from outside of the research industry and were able to think about the challenges around data and insights from a business and technology perspective rather than a research perspective. Right? I think often we get uh, kind of myopic in, in thinking about research. And you know, those founders have done things in a different way and are taking more risks than we tend to see in companies that come out of the research space organically. Yeah. Interesting. That's great. I really appreciate that. I know that it's hard because if I didn't put the caveat that you're not connected to today, you could give me a list of seven or ten in a third of a second. Um, so we took a number of them out of that mix that you could say. So I, I appreciate your uh, your honesty on that. Let's talk a little bit about IAX. Um, you and I have a number of – a lot of things in common actually. And one is that we've both built brands – for associations, right? I mean, IIEX is huge. Steve Schlesinger and myself, uh, 14 years ago, started the CEO Summit and have expanded that brand and did three different um, summits last year, and we'll have the same this year, two of them out of uh, um, outside the United States. You know, with IIEX, can you talk a little bit about that building of the brand? Um, did you see... Back then, nine, ten years ago, whatever it was, what it could become, um, and how did you do that? And 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 not only that, how proud of you are you of that and what you've accomplished? Because I think it's amazing. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, again, a lot of it's happy accidents, right? We knew that there was a opportunity for a different perspective, one focused around innovation and the future and change uh, in all of our content. Uh, we saw the opportunity to create an event series that brought those people together as, as well. And we were lucky enough to find that, that a lot of folks were, were interested in that. So, you know, when we think about the, the industry itself, um, we see ourselves as the stalking horse. Our own slogan is, you know, it happens here first, which may be slightly overinflated. But I think overall, that, that's true. You know, we've been really lucky to introduce the industry to a lot of really cool things, a lot of really cool companies. And a piece of that was also focusing on uh, on startups, and that was baked into the DNA by design, right? We started the, the Insight Innovation Competition, which is a startup competition, kind of like uh, Shark Tank, um, to give early-stage companies a chance to uh, to be connected into the industry uh, and to be exposed to 
uh, to new things and, and new potential partners. And that's worked really well. So if you look at the track record of, gosh, I think 20 now, uh, startups that have won the competition through IAX, you know, many of them have gone on to great success. And probably the crown jewel uh, at this point is Zappy, right? Um, you know, that started as the as just an idea presented at the competition at the very first IAX in, uh, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. And now they've become a... a, a a verb in our industry, right? So we talk about you know being being zappy centric, and I know you know uh, that team really well uh, too. So when I think about what we're proud of, are, are we proud that we've grown now to the largest event in North America? Yeah, of course we are, right? Everybody likes bragging rights. Um, uh, but more importantly, what I'm proud of is that we have. Uh, we continue to double down on the fundamental piece of connecting supply and demand and focusing on innovation and giving startups and emerging technologies a place to connect into the industry and prosper. And, you know, that role in the ecosystem uh, is something that, that no one else was doing, and there's still no one else doing it the way that we have, and I don't mean that as a bragging thing. It's just we're in a unique position to be able to do those things. Um, and it's made a difference. It's made a difference in the industry. It's made a difference in people's lives. You know, there's a lot of jobs created. There's wealth created. That makes me happy at night. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, Lenny, um, giving something back, um, being relevant in the industry, helping move careers forward, mentoring Younger professionals, the next generation of superstars, really means a great deal to me. So it's it's really really nice to hear that you feel the same way. That's awesome. Hey, let's play. Um, finish this sentence, Lenny. You ready? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, clients of today need to understand blank. Clients of today need to understand blank. What is the blank? Fill in that blank. Boy. That's uh, there's lots of places that could go. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to give you free. You know, we haven't rehearsed this. I don't know what I'm asking. You don't know what I'm asking either. Yeah. So yeah. let's go there. Um, the limits of technology. Um, okay. Technology inherently uh, addresses process issues, right? So we we've heard for years that you know cheaper, faster, better, um, and we know empirically and quantitatively that that is what clients are looking for. Absolutely. But that better piece, that's nebulous. Cheaper and faster, we can do all day long. Um, and, and that is what technology does. But better is something that is far more difficult to figure out. And each client is going to define it differently. So for some clients, better is cheaper and faster. For some clients, it is better quality of data. For some, it is better quality of insights. Uh, for some, it's more strategic. For some, it's more tactical. Um, but that better piece, for in my opinion, usually involves humans. It doesn't involve hmm. the technology itself. Now, there may come a day that our robot overlords, you know, can achieve that, and, and we're not part of the equation. But we are not there yet. So, okay. uh, so if clients are looking for better as in more insight that drives business decision-making and moves the needle within their organization, uh, cheap and fast is not the end-all, be-all. Uh, humans have to become involved to help translate those, uh, those insights into activation. And that's going to take time, and it takes money. 
Yeah, no, I think there's some good stuff in there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, we, we both know that tens of thousands of people are going uh, to read this year's GRIT report, but let's assume a few of them only have five or ten minutes. What are the two top takeaways that you would like people to get when they read the GRIT report this year? The two top takeaways. Well, so you know there's two versions of the GRIT report. The one is focused on the process of research, and that's the one that we just released. Um, and then okay. the next version, uh, the next wave that we will uh, release in uh, June at this point is the schedule, is more of the, the macro trends and drivers of the industry itself. Um, so, okay. so think about the one that we just released uh, that is you know, mm -hmm. really kind of the nuts and bolts. Uh, hell, it's what I just said. You know, uh, cheaper, faster, better is what clients are looking for. Period. Okay. You know, we have to think about the methodologies and the tools that we use, and how they fit into that matrix. Um, and there's a lot of of data in that report to help guide that decision making uh, based upon the type of organization you are. Because the answer to that is different if you are a consultancy versus a technology company. Um, it's different if you're a full service company versus a field service company. And because clients have different expectations of each of those segments. So GRIT gives that guidance you know, based upon what your organization is from the supplier side. Uh, you know, who are the right clients and what are they looking for and where should you be prioritizing your development uh, uh, from a, a, a tool and methodology standpoint. That's important. Um, the next one will focus a whole lot more on kind of the macro strategic things. Um, you know, where's, yeah, how do you stand out in the crowd? Um, what is the messaging that's going to resonate? Uh, how do you yeah, achieve you know, fame and fortune uh, from a brand standpoint. Uh, you know, what are clients looking for that, that no one is meeting yet? You know, what's the next big thing uh, that will happen in the next report? Okay, good, good. Thank you. When you hear the words AI, and we both know that that might be the word of 2019 and 20 in terms of the most used word AI that everybody is scurrying around trying to figure that out. What are the first words that come to mind when you hear the words AI? Fear. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Followed by hope. Is it then followed by opportunity? And followed by opportunity. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that the technology inherently is a good thing, right? It can create efficiencies. Um, it can make the world better. Uh, I just saw the other day that there's uh, that an AI algorithm had found a new, uh, a new antibiotic that no one had discovered yet, right? Those type of things are, are really cool, right? The, those, the technology can do things that we just can't do uh, efficiently. So that's exciting. Um, now, like any tool, if we don't use it right, then there could be there could be consequences. That may, in our world, that may be as simple as it's it's you know, bad insights, right, or not thorough enough insights. Um, the so I think we have to be cautious that we use the tool appropriately to uh, be able to, to create the efficiencies that we need um, to increase speed, to decrease costs, to uh, expand knowledge, while recognizing again that the you know, a human needs to kind of oversee that to make sure that we're, we're not just becoming so dependent on the technology that we're forgetting how to think and make good decisions ourselves. That's great. Um, 
Yeah, and I think that's accurate. I mean, I, I think there's so many, there's so much talking about AI and what it's going to do. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested to see where it goes and how long it takes, right? Because traditionally, the insights community doesn't move as fast as we all might like. And to understand what the deliverable is, to understand the use, to understand um, how to integrate that within our clients' organizations, I think is going to be really interesting and, and could take a little while. Lenny, I know a lot of people, and I want to end with this. You've accomplished so much. I mean, you know, when you think about all the boards you're on, when you think about all the companies that you've led, you've started conferences, you've been a keynote presenter, you know, you talk, your voice is heard. What are you most proud of that you've accomplished in the insights industry over the last 30 years or whatever it is? Yeah, I, uh, I think it's, uh, I said it, it's helping people. Um, you know, the, so we'll go back to when, when Rock Hopper tanked, biggest impact for me was that I had let my team down. Right, you know, I had had 20 employees, and uh, and you know the economy was in the toilet, and everybody was scared. You know, man, I ran it as long as I could to, just to keep people fed until I couldn't do it anymore. Right, the, I mean, we went from three and a half million before the recession to less than a million post recession. Right, with the same team, <laughs> right, trying to maintain the same team, and so I felt that I failed them. You know. Yeah. Uh, and that was really hard emotionally. So that just wasn't who I saw myself as. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a provider. I'm, you know, I, I do these things to take care of people because uh, that's who I am as a person. And my business was a reflection of that. So at a very personal level, that was hard. The thing that I'm proud of is that I think I've been able to help more people um, in a different way than I ever was able to just running a research company that makes me happy. You know, I, you know, my kids ask me, "Daddy, what do you do?" And like I said, I've got all these titles and all this crap. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know what? I, I help people. That's yeah. my job. My job is to help people uh, in everything that I do. And that sounds, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be Saint Lenny or anything. But the, you know, for for me, that was important. I've done it, um, and. You know, when I go to my just rewards, whatever it is, you know, uh, I, I hope that weighs on the scales that I help more people than I hurt. I think that there's there's no question that you've done that, and you heard it here first, people. Every all the listeners, Lenny Murphy, who wants and does and continues to help people. Thanks again for listening to Lenny Murphy. This is the On the Mark podcast. My name is Merrill Dubrow. Have a great day.